We turn to the Word now. Father, we pray, speak to us, encourage us, feed us spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going through Mark's Gospel uh, on Sunday mornings, and it's, it's a very powerful book. If you're not used to reading the Bible, my suggestion is get going in Mark's Gospel. Brilliant place to start, just to get to grips with some of the incredible teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus. It's amazing. Um, okay, down to business here. How many real men does it take to change the light bulb? None, because men aren't afraid of the dark. How many mystery writers? How many mystery writers does it take to change a light bulb? Okay, it takes two. One to screw it almost all the way, and the other one's to give it a surprising twist at the end. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, and they can do two at once. How many traditional church members does it take to change a light bulb? Change? We don't believe in change. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. But it's really going to want to change before it can do anything. How many washing machine mechanics does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, and that'll be 50 pounds, please. How many Irish people? Any Irish people here? I, I, could, I de- dedicate this ending of the jokes to you wonderful Irish folks. All right? You won't get it, but I'll, everyone else will. Okay. How many Irish people does it take to change a light bulb? It takes 100 Irish people. One to hold the bulb and 99 to turn the house. <laughs> My title is Brought to Light. God wants to bring certain things to light. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 21 to 23. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. For whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Robert Redford, the famous actor, was walking through a hotel lobby one day and made his way into an elevator. A lady followed him and jumped in the elevator with him and said, are you the real Robert Redford? And his door shut, he said, just when I'm by myself. And you see, who are you? Are you the same in public as you are in private? I would hope that if you were to meet me at home, you're going to get the same me as you get here on the stage on Sunday. To be honest, if it, if it wasn't the case, I shouldn't be standing here on the stage on Sunday. God wants us to have a thoroughness to our lives, uh, integrity. The things that are hidden are out in the open. You see, I believe that this verse here we've just read actually is teaching a principle for life. And here's the principle. That everything that is hidden will be brought to light. Everything. And if it's something negative that's hidden in your life, that will be brought to light. Or if it's something quality and purposeful and positive that's in your life, that will be brought to light. I just think it's a principle. Whatever is in your life will be brought to light. There was an earthquake a couple of years back in Turkey. And to be honest, the earthquake was potentially not that devastating. It wasn't the strongest of earthquakes. But what it showed was a whole lot of buildings collapsed that shouldn't have collapsed. And the reason they collapsed is a, whole, all, a lot of the, the construction work that went on there is builders had cut corners and watered down the concrete to try and get you know, as much money as possible out of their materials. They gave a substandard quality of concrete with which they built these particular houses. So when the earthquake came, 
the earthquake shouldn't have had such a devastating effect, but because of the substandard workmanship, the whole place collapsed and many were killed. Maybe you remember that from the news. When the pressure was on, what was really going on was brought to light. My suggestion is that we allow God to bring things to light in our lives before him, before it happens out there. Egg in the face. There was a, a new prisoner just taken into, the, uh, into his prison cell, and there was his fellow inmate, and he was an old guy, and he, he kind of looked like he'd been in there for hundreds of years. And he said, said to the guy, how long have you been in here? And the guy says, you know, look at me. You would not believe that I used to live the life of Riley. You know, I, I wintered in the Riviera. I had boats, sports cars, all the beautiful women. I ate in fancy French restaurants. I lived the life of Riley. The new prisoner said, well, what happens? And he said, well, one day Riley reported his credit cards as missing. <laughs> like about five minutes and then other people are going to start. <laughs> you see, you can't go so long without what's hidden being brought to light. And it's actually incredibly healthy, this principle. Everything that is hidden, whether it's positive or negative, will be brought to light. Everything that is hidden, whether you are religious or not, will be brought to light. Mark Twain said this, we're all like the moon. We have a dark side we don't want anyone to see. If going on in your life are hurts, unresolved issues, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to hurt other people. That thing that's hidden in you will be brought to light and it will manifest itself in hurting others. That's why hurt people hurt people. Why is it that abused kids become abusive parents? Why is it that kids who have had alcoholic dads so often become alcoholic dads? Because the cycle isn't broken. And the thing is, what's inside you will be brought to light. It will manifest itself somehow. So what you're going to make sure is you bring it, expose it before God and deal with it properly before by default it exposes itself and manifests itself in a negative way that undermines who you are and you're special. At the beginning of the church, we started in 1998. Shortly after starting, a lassie had been attending and she was engaged to be married. Lovely lass. One day she came to me and Angie. She asked to get a chance to catch up with us. She came back to her flat and she poured her heart out. She broke down. She said, I've just had my work night out a couple of days ago and I got drunk and ends up going away with someone who's not my fiancé, and I slept with him. And she was absolutely devastated. How could she have been so stupid? How could she have blown it like that? How could she have gone and done that? And she just didn't know how to face the future. So we, we told her about God and his love, and how God can forgive, and God can repair even the worst of situations. And we prayed with her, and we helped her come to a place of experiencing God's forgiveness, and a restoration and a peace. But then we said to her, now listen, you need to do yourself a favor and you need to do your husband to be a favor. It's not going to be easy, but you've got to have an honest talk with him. And you've got to tell him what happens. To be honest, if I was the fiancé, I would want to know. <laughs> At least you know what's the basis of, of your starting. Yeah? But you see, things like that can undermine future. Because things that are hidden will be brought to light. Do you bring it to light deliberately when you're still in control? Or does it come to light at the moment where you don't want it to happen by default and it might ruin everything? 
everything will be brought to light. Me and Angie have got to the point where there's absolutely no secrets between me and Angie. Angie knows everything about me. She knows my mistakes. She knows my past failures, the areas that I struggled in the past. She knows things that, she she knows me through and through. I, I can say with honesty before you guys that my wife knows me. She knows my mistakes. She knows my dark sides. She knows me. I've been very honest with Angie, and Angie's honest with me. That moment is sometimes quite vulnerable, but it's incredibly healthy. Jesus says, whatever is hidden will be brought to light. You know, also positive things in your life that are hidden will be brought to light. It says in Proverbs 18 and verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. That gift that's hidden away there will be brought to light. You look at someone like Joseph in the Old Testament. What a guy. I mean, not only did he have a really hot jacket, a kind of Hawaiian shirt. Who <laughs> likes my shirt today? Yeah, I did it for you. Did it for you? Yeah. Sunshine and leaf. All right. We're, I'm just trying to get us in. We're in Bermuda, right? We've got the palm trees here. Pastor's got the shirt. We're, we've arrived. Bermuda, you feel the ray. I feel the ray, certainly. <laughs> Joseph, multicolored t shirt thing. Anyway, that's not the point. He had a gift, and God had given him this incredible gift of leadership. And he, he put in his heart this dream that he would be a great leader, a ruler. There was also a gift that came with that dream, and he had this ability to lead. So his brothers got jealous of him and kicked him out and, and sold him into slavery. He found himself being in a wealthy home, then all of a sudden he was a nobody, a slave, the bottom of the rung, in a foreign land. And he was under this man called Potiphar. Now Potiphar became his, his master. So Joseph found himself in an adverse situation, but everything that's hidden gets brought to light. It wasn't long before, just with a good attitude, just with getting his sleeves rolled up, mucking in, and just being the best leader he could be in that home, he got to the point where Potiphar had promoted him to being second to Potiphar in his house. He became the guy who ran the house in this guy Potiphar, who was a government official. You think, wow, that's great. He went from being nobody to rising to fame. Why? Because everything that's hidden is brought to light. The thing that was in him, the gift that was in him, that ability from God, that calling from God, God brought it to light. And then we see him getting falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He would get thrown into a dungeon. But he, again, right down at the bottom of the rung. You know, many of us, when we get kicked in the teeth, that's it. We don't have the courage to get back up again. But you see, Joseph's success was he just get, got back up again. Failure isn't falling down. Failure is staying down. So get yourself back up again. Stop mucking around at the bottom of the bomb. You're not meant to be there. God's got a plan for you. So let's get up again. What's the other option, to be honest? There ain't. So get up again. Get going again, because he's for you. And he hasn't quit on you, even with our rough edges. Joseph found himself in a bad situation. He, he picked himself up again. And in that prison with a great attitude and with this gift of leadership that God gave him, he just got mucking in and before he knew it, he became in charge of the prison. Now that, to be honest, that's not very common, right? That doesn't happen at Sockton Prison. Prisoners don't usually get put in charge of the prison, all right? They would say, all right, I've got the keys. Guards, you can go home. You know what? They would be off, right? That's it. They would be gone. You know, I didn't take long to work that one out. I know exactly what I would do. I'd be out, right? I'd be, I'm off. See ya. But Joseph took his responsibility seriously. 
he looked after the other prisoners, and he went from being a prisoner to being in charge of the prison. Incredible. And then within one day, he became prime minister. Within one day, you read Genesis. Within one day, he got elevated to being prime minister, second only to Pharaoh, governing Egypt, the biggest world superpower in its time. That's serious promotion. What was the deal? The deal was this. That which was hidden was brought to light. See, when God's placed a gift in you, and you don't wait for the big platform, you just get serving wherever you are. If God's made you a great musician, then just muck in in the backgrounds. God will make a way for you. If you think God's called you to be a great leader, then set out chairs. Yeah? Just get serving. Become a moving ship. God can steer a moving ship. You cannot steer a stationary ship. Just get moving. That small gift become to light. There's a wee revealing verse in Joseph's life when he was at Potiphar's house and his wife started to try and seduce him. Uh, Joseph, like myself, was an incredibly good-looking guy, irresistible to the opposite sex. (laughs) And Joseph had this temptation where Potiphar's wife was coming on real strong and Potiphar wasn't there and, you know, there was the opportunity to do the wrong thing. But this is what Joseph said in Genesis 39, verse 9. How then could I do this great evil and sin against the Lord? He didn't say, how can I do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? He said, first, it would be wrong to sin against Potiphar, but he's saying, you know what? The big thing for me is this. I'm not going to do that and sin against the Lord. In Joseph's minds, that hidden thing would be brought to light. And he wanted to make sure that the thing that was hidden in his life was good. He wanted to make sure that, the thing that anything hidden in his life was quality not negative. So he refused. To, he understood that God was wherever he was. So he didn't want to live a double standard life. That was his success. There's another guy in the Old Testament where we see incredibly positive characteristics in his life. And that was the result that brought him to light. The other guy was King David. What a guy. Teenager, here he was, and he was out in the fields looking after some sheep. And he was, he was up there and he had his harp and he was just worshipping the Lord. And he was writing Psalms, Psalms, and as he was writing the Psalms, he, he had singing to God and, and praying and worshiping God. You're thinking, oh, I know that book in the Bible. Yes, yeah, Psalms. As this just a beautiful heart before God. It's a wonderful worshiping attitude to the Lord. And then, not only did he have a heart to worship, he also cared for these sheep. Why? Because, well, it wasn't much, but it was his job. And when the the lion and when the bear came to nick the sheep and have lunch, David said, "Uh uh-uh. And he took the lion on. He took the bear on. He he killed. He nutted the lion and the bear. Decked the dudes. Wiped them out. Why? Oh, it's just a little fuzzy sheep. No, well, that wasn't why David saw it. David saw it as, you know what? It might not be much, but it's my responsibility. And when God saw a teenager who was willing to take on the lion and the bear simply because it was his job. And when God saw a teenager and when no one else was looking, not for a show, he played his harp to worship the God who he could see the stars and the creation that he was living under. And he said, God, you're great. And he worshiped him. When God saw that, he said, you know what? I'm going to bring that to light. And he made David the king of a nation. Isn't that amazing? Everything that is hidden will be brought to light. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6 and verse 6. When you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your Father 
in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What is your life really like? Because that will be brought to light. Jesus put it in another way in Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. The good man out of the good treasure, the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. The mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. You see, if you want good things to come from your life, you've got to make sure that the good things are in there. You see, this applies, this principle, everything is brought to light. It applies to the religious and to the unreligious. It says the good man and the evil man. It doesn't, it isn't, it's not just the, the believers. It's not just the, the righteous. It's not just the holy people. This is every single person on planet earth, everything that's hidden will be brought to light. Jesus in, the, in this verse we've been reading in, in Mark's gospel goes on. And in verse 21 he says, He said to them, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl or under a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stands? When something comes out to be put on its stands, it's there to shine. It's there to display light. And God here in this verse, I believe, is speaking about us. God wants us to shine. He doesn't want us to be hiding away in a corner, cowering, pretending like nothing good's going on. Shine. God wants us to shine in a world that is full of darkness. I remember starting architecture through at Strathclyde University. In my first day of first year at university, I arrived, and there was a last there, a Greek girl called Myrto. Myrto, I got to I got to say hi to her. You know, we, we got to know each other. We got chatting, and you know, she, it came out in conversation that I was a Christian, and she wanted to find out more about my belief and and about church. And so she was asking tons of stuff. And eventually, after a few weeks, she said, "Can I come with you to church?" I said, "Sure." So I took her to the church, Destiny Church in Glasgow, very like this. She came along and she thought, whoa. It was totally unlike anything she had ever thought was church. And she thought, man, they're alive. People are excited here. They're not just playing church. They believe in this stuff. There's, a, there's an authentic thing about it, right? There's <laughs> authenticity about it. That's the word. And it, it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a credibility to it. And she, she said, this is great. It came to a point not long after that, she said, you know what, I want Jesus in my life too. Why? Because we weren't hiding it away, pretending it wasn't there. Just let it shine. She saw it, and it was attractive. Myrto married my best friend Brendan. Brendan and Myrto now lead Destiny Church in Dublin. She saw someone shine, now she's shining. Bruce and Christina, they're a great couple in the Glasgow Church. Now Bruce does uh, the Glasgow Church website, and does a lot of the, you know, the little pamphlet you're sitting on your seat there, the Destiny Summer School, that's his graphics. He runs this graphic design company, Macaulay Creative. Uh, his wife, Christina, she's an artist, and uh, I, I, I was a student at the same time as them, so I knew them from my times in Glasgow. Great friends. Christina, they, they, together they've had four kids. After the fourth kids, Christina suffered with uh, severe postnatal depression. But you know, every Sunday... They bring two busloads of people with them to church. There's about 75 people from Stewarton, which is an Ayrshire, travel with them to church every Sunday. That's not bad, is it? And they're not even full-time ministry. He runs a busy graphic design company, and she's suffering with postnatal depression. But you know what? They shine. Because that what was hidden will be brought to light. 
and there's something good in them, and that's being attractive. And you know, they're not, they're not like got the big worship band and everything. They're just simply getting to know their neighbors, and they're connecting with people in the community. And people are just seeing something in them that's credible, it's full of life. And they're literally bringing two busloads of people every Sunday to church in Glasgow. There are 75 people now who've come to faith, not come from other churches, who've come to faith and going to Destiny Church Glasgow because of Bruce and Christina. And it's only happened in the last year or so. That's all right, isn't it? That's all right. That's brilliant, man. They just shine. There's something going on in their life that just makes them shine. You see, I want to encourage you. What's inside you? Do you shine for Jesus? Our light is Jesus Christ himself. It's not like we're putting on a hype here. Our excitement, our zeal. The reason I come, to be honest, right? Not you folks. I'm kidding you on, you're great. But it's a lot more than that. The reason I come to church is because I love Jesus. And the reason I want to stand here and tell things to people is because I absolutely love Jesus. I don't do this because it pays better money than I was on. Right? In fact, I used to work in an architect's office and I left there three and a half years ago. So for the first four years of this church, I worked full time and did this for free. Like a hobby. Cool. I'm just excited about church. I would, I would still do it if I got nothing for it. It's just I've got to give my time to this, so therefore I get paid for it. This isn't great, just getting paid for your hobby. I just love talking to people about Jesus. Why? Because I love Jesus. He is amazing. Absolutely brilliant. He's just the best. He is so incredible. You read about his life, I'm blown away every time. And look what he did for us in the cross. He died for us on that cross and rose again. That is phenomenal. No one's done that for me. So I'm really grateful and I'm going to tell as many people about him as possible because I love him. That's our motive. He is a light in our lives. He's the thing on the inside that kind of flicks the switch on and there's a shininess to you. There's an attractiveness. Jesus said, you're like a lamp. Don't cover that lamp. Shine for everyone to see. And that's what God wants us to be. It says in Matthew 4 and verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Those who are living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We're living in a dark world, and it's about time some Christians with credibility shone. And let the world see, actually, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Religion is like underwear, close to you and personal. Something you're a little bit embarrassed about. So often it's in a kind of, oh, keep your religion to yourself. Some of you are going to think about that all week. That's a very powerful thought from Pastor this morning. So often, I mean, well, what kind of religion do you have? You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm not that excited about religion, to be honest, but I'm really excited about Jesus. So excited about Jesus. He's just incredible. So I'm going to tell everyone about that. And I'm not going to be at all embarrassed or ashamed or kind of, uh, no, no, I'm just going to let that shine. Here are five ways that you can shine brightly for Jesus. It's five ways that you can be brought to light and shine for all the world to see. Number one, let your genuine love for Jesus shine through. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him to bits? Do you love him with every fiber of your being? We should. He deserves our love. He is, he's a God. He's awesome. He's worthy of all praise and adoration. Let's give him our adoration. Do you agree with me? Let's seek to love him more every day. And you know what? When you love Jesus, it's not very hard to talk about the people you love. Dads don't find it hard talking about their precious kids. Wives don't find it hard talking about their husbands. It's, it's, it's something about love that makes you want to just talk. That is how it should be with Jesus. There was a young sales 
person and uh, he was really disappointed in losing a really big sale. So he went to his line manager and said to him, I guess it just proves that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the line manager said, son, take my advice. It's not your job to make him drink. It's your job to make him thirsty. And there's something about our lives that should make people thirsty. What is it about you? What is it in your life that I want to find? You see, I'm not here to keep religion alive on planet Earth. That can die. I'm happy for that to die. No problem. But I think there's something so wonderful about Jesus Christ and about following him with our lives. And you know, when that's going on in your life, there's something becomes attractive about you. People just want to know what is it that you've got. So just be honest about your love for Jesus. There's a Check out this website, neighborhope.com, okay? That's a website set up by a couple, and this is how it all started for them. They just love Jesus. And this couple got to know their neighbors, and they, they thought, you know what, we don't really know our neighbors. We're going to make the effort to get to know them. So they threw a party, and they had their neighbors come. And then they threw another party, and the neighbors started getting to know each other, and you know, it start, people start asking them about their faith. So before they realized that they were doing Bible study at their parties, and so they started all these parties everywhere. They started all these Bible studies. Now every Sunday there's a thousand people turn up, right? Just because of parties. And just because these people love Jesus. That's a good way to start a church, isn't it? Neighborhope.com. Check it out. It just started by simply people just shining. Just to have a genuine, authentic love for Jesus. And there's something incredibly attractive about that. The second way you can shine is take time in his presence. Take time in God's presence. Let me read to you a really weird passage, actually, in Exodus 34 and verse 30, and then verses 33 to 35. Okay, here we go. All the Israelites saw Moses. His face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. You know, he's been on the radiation again. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out again. And when he came out and told the Israelites what God had commanded them, and they saw his face was radiant, and then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went back to speak to the Lord. Here's this guy, Moses, had this real relationship with God, and the Bible describes that relationship like he was a friend of God. He had a, a real, authentic relationship with God. And in this relationship with God, he would spend time in God's presence, and he would come out and speak to the people. He was leading some one to two million people through the desert, heading to the promised land. That was historic. What was, what was going on here? Moses was a great leader. Great leader. But, you know, spending time in God's presence, he would come out, and he would be radiant. And it was actually tangible. Now, I don't think I've seen that before. I've never seen a tangible radiance. But what I have seen is this. I've seen people having spent time in God's presence, their eyes are bright. There's a warmth from them. You feel love. You feel the love. There's something attractive about it. Why? Because they mean spending time in God's presence. Last night, I was over at Loch Tay, and there was uh, Charlotte and Howard got married. Charlotte was very much part of the church for many years here. Howard's training for the Church of Scotland ministry, so they're, they're going to be going off doing their thing. It's just dead exciting, so it's great to be there. After the wedding, I was driving home. Angie and the kids were in the car. They'd all fallen asleep. I was wide awake, thankfully, driving. Right? And it, it was beautiful. In the middle of nowhere, right, coming from the highlands back down here. And, you know, there's no streetlights, just darkness and beautiful stars. And as, as I got close to, around about the safari park, 
there was a Blade Drum and Safari Park getting towards calendar, past calendar, getting towards Stirling. There on the horizon was Stirling Castle. It was shining like a blister beacon. It was just beautiful, bright light. And then there was a Wallace Monument shining out. And out of all this darkness of this landscape, these two monuments stood out clear as a bell. And I thought about that. You know, the thing about the monuments, they themselves weren't actually emanating light. They were just merely reflecting light. And there's something about when you've been in God's presence, there's something about you changes. There's something about you that reflects God's love to other people. So I want to encourage you not to think, well, I remember when I spent time in God's presence and it had that effect. Every day. Every day. Don't do your religious ritual. Okay, I'm a Christian. I need to pray or read. Every day, get time in God's presence. You will be radiant. You will shine like a light. And don't you hide that. Let people see it. That will point them to the one you love too. Psalm 34 and verse 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. My mum, on the Thursday before she died, she died on the Sunday night, on the Thursday, this was 1996, on the Thursday night, we'd all gone up to bed. Mum was sitting by the fire down in the living room. Her feet were up on a stool and she was just, just resting. And the next morning I saw mum and mum said, Peter, Peter, last night when I was sitting there by the fire, I met Jesus. And, he, uh, he, and she couldn't tell me. She, I wanted her to tell me, mum, tell me more, what? And she couldn't tell me. It was like sometimes in the Bible when you're reading about people who have seen an angel or seen Jesus, that they're sometimes stuck for words and sometimes they've been forbidden to speak about what they've seen. But mum had this encounter with Jesus. And all I know is this, her wrinkles were smoothed. Her face was radiant. And she faded away and she went to be with Jesus. That was probably the last day she was really conscious. But she had this encounter with Jesus and she was pain-free and she was radiant she was bright, she was joyful, she was hopeful, and she slipped into eternity. That's the way to go. <laughs> That's the way to go. But she, there was something just radiant. She'd met Jesus. Margaret Stunt, who spoke here a couple of years ago, said, if you hang around heaven, you'll be so purposeful on this earth. The third thing I want to encourage you to do about being this light that shines is learn to appreciate the good news yourself. Learn to appreciate this good news. See, we believe in some pretty powerful truths here. We believe that we're sinners, okay? Now, one of the reasons I believe the Bible's accurate is no man would have come up with that one, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say we're rubbish and we're sinners, all right? No, no, that's not, it's obviously not man-made. It had to be God's idea, that one. We are sinners, right? That's what we believe. That's not the good news bit. That's the bad news. We're sinners. That sin will be judged. And if we don't deal with our sin, we will stand before God at the end of time and we'll have to deal with it ourselves. That's called hell. That's a lost eternity. Please don't go there. You don't have to. The good news we believe is that Jesus took our sin upon himself. He was the only one who hadn't sinned. He took our sin upon himself. And 2,000 years ago, he died on that cross, shedding his own blood as a sacrifice for all humanity so that we who are sinners could be forgiven by him who wasn't a sinner and he died in our place. He took the punishment. He took the hit for us so that we could get a second chance. It's amazing. What a gospel. What a good news. 
And three days after dying, he rose again. And he's alive today. And if you, the Bible says if you believe in him, you won't perish. You won't go to a lost eternity, but you will go to heaven. And that's amazing. And who believes that? That's pretty powerful stuff. I mean, it's revolutionary stuff. It is revolutionary stuff. But if you believe, right, that Jesus dies so that you won't go to a lost eternity, you also believe, therefore, that if people who don't accept that don't believe in it, they will go to a lost eternity. Now that's, do you know what? I believe that, but I don't like it. Okay, I'm being honest with you. That, that doesn't sit easy with me, right? So I'm with you. That doesn't sit easy with me. But I know it's right. And I believe it. So how does that motivate the way I live? I'll tell you how it motivates the way I live. Is I want to do everything I possibly can to get as many people to heaven with me as possible. I'm on a rescue mission. That's my life. That's it. I want to do everything. I, how can we believe that, right, and just get on with life as normal? Seriously. It's like, oh, I'm going to heaven. Great. Well, whoop de do. But what about everyone else? It's like, it's not all about you. Although you are special. It's like, well, you've got this great life and you know it's free and it's for everyone. Then, man, how can you keep that to yourself? The very fact you keep it to yourself indicates you don't really believe it. Let it motivate the way you live. You need to get this light out there. Stop covering it up. Get it out there. Who cares what anyone says? Time to get it out there. When I became a Christian, age 15, I was fourth year high school. I came to believe in this good news, this gospel, right? This dawned on me. If I believe this, then it has an implication on those who don't. So I decided, right, I've got to tell my school. So I came across this verse in the Bible. It says, John 14, it says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, right? I mean, that's just totally un-PC, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, that isn't PC. You can't say that. But he did tough. He did. He said, I'm the only way. That's it. Come to me. I'm the only religion. Come to me. I'll get it sorted for you. I'm the only one who could die for you because I'm the only one who is sin-free. Every other religious leader were sinners just like you. You need someone who is sin-free to die on your behalf so you can be forgiven forever. Come to me, right? Wow. Jesus, that is just so on PC. But I figured it's true. So I'm going to tell my whole school. So I, I put it onto A3 photocopy sheets, right? And when no one was looking, I plastered every corridor in the school with John 14. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and I'm known. And then I hid. <laughs> I, Whoa, I'm out here. But why? Well, you know what? I was timid as anything. I tell you what, I was absolutely beefing myself, right? It's a technical phrase, all right? So it's Greek. But you know what? I just, I, just, I just couldn't not tell him. And it wasn't like I felt I had to. It wasn't like I felt God wouldn't accept me if I didn't tell him. Because I knew I was accepted. That was my problem. I just couldn't face just being accepted and going to heaven. Believing a gospel that had an implication on those who didn't believe. And then doing nothing about it. It just doesn't sit right with me. So we can't just live like that. We've got to get this light out there. We've got to get off ourselves. We've got to get the light out there and let it shine and just let people know and then it wasn't so long after that I found myself in front of like hundreds of the, my pupils my, my, my peers in a school assembly standing there telling them all that I'd accepted Jesus and I love Jesus and I'm going to follow him from now on and it wasn't like they were thinking wow you're so cool no no <laughs> that's not cool right well it is cool it is actually cool 
but they didn't think it was. I think it's cool. Because I think it's cool to be individual. I think it's cool to have convictions. I think it's cool not just to go with the flow. You know, I, I think it's cool not just to be an ambi-pamby, kind of easily walked over, compromising individual. I think it's cool to be someone with conviction. As someone who, you know, this thing about, oh, it's your opinion, keep it to yourself. You know, where did that come from? It's not like, and they say it with such authority. But there's absolutely no authority in it whatsoever. Who said you cannot share your opinion? Not written anywhere, right? It's not true. You can. God gave you a brain. He gave you opinions. Now, you can be a person of conviction. It's good to have convictions. And you know what? It's good to talk to people about your convictions. It's not good to force it down people's throats, but it's good to talk to people about them and get the dialogue going. And if we're saying we love this world and we're seeing the implication this world has got because of its sin, then we have to talk. There's a Bible verse in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, and Peter writes in this and says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Anyone got a hope here? Anyone got some beliefs about God? Anyone got some convictions based on the Bible? Yeah? Well, say someone comes to you and says, okay, well, how does that work with suffering? Well, be prepared to give an answer for your hope. Or say someone comes to you and says, well, if, if God is so good, then why this? Well, be prepared to give an answer for your hope. This resurrection is credible. It's not just written in the pages of Scripture. There's evidence. Miracles in the Bible, they, they can't just be explained away. They are hard, factual evidence. You can reason your faith. Our faith is not just some blind faith that we embrace. Yeah, because the pastor tells me to, and it's my religion, so I just believe that. No, no, look into it. Ask the questions. If it can't stand up to scrutiny, then you shouldn't believe it. But our faith can stand up to scrutiny. Our Bible is credible. Our Bible is scientifically credible, archaeologically credible, in every other way, credible. It's credible medically. It's credible in the mental health scale of things. It's absolutely credible. It stands scrutiny. You can totally believe in this Bible, but don't take my word for it. Become convinced yourself. Your Bible, you can have an intellectual faith, not just a heartfelt faith, which is important. That's the most important. But you've got to have a faith that can say, you know, there are reasons for what I believe. And when someone comes to you and says, you know, why do you believe this? Then be prepared to give an answer for what you believe. You can give an answer. Your faith actually isn't shallow. So don't let yourself think it is. Have a depth to it. Look into the questions. Ask the questions. Get some great books. Read some research. Look into some science. Get some answers. And let your faith shine through. The fourth suggestion I want is, you know, we've got to shine like lights. Fourthly, live in the power of God. Live in the power of God. Now, I've just told you to have a credible faith. I've just told you to have a, a faith that is intellectually credible. Absolutely. We agree with that. And I'm not discounting that with this next point I'm making, because this next point complements that. Paul coming to the church at Corinth, he says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 4 and 5, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Fundamentally, Paul knew it's not going to be my powerful persuasion and my arguing that's going to get you won over. But by demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on the power of God. You see, this, you can come to a point where you've argued all the arguments, and you've proved all your points, but you know what? At the end of the day, someone, if they choose not to believe, they're not going to believe. So we need God. I remember um, when I was a student, 
I met this homeless guy in the street. I was going on the way to a student meeting in the church, and there was a meal going on. So I said, well, do you want to come along with me? It's called Gerard. And we, we, I took this guy along with me to the student meal. He was in a lot of pain. He had a slip disc on his back, and he was in severe pain all night. He sat kind of creased over. He had his food and things. He appreciated the warmth of being there, but he was in so much discomfort. At the end of the, the meeting, I, I asked Tim Brown, who was uh, the student pastor at the time. So Tim's now just gone down to Newcastle to start Destiny Newcastle in the last few months. That's exciting. But Tim Brown, I said to Tim, listen, let's pray for Jared. Let's pray that God heals his back. And to be honest, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't feeling like, whoa, this is going to happen. I wasn't feeling kind of buzz, right? I, wasn't, I was just pretty emotionally flat, to be honest. But let's pray for him. It's, it's right that we pray for him. So we placed our hands on his back and we prayed that God would heal his back. Instantly he was healed. The pain left. He stood up straight. His eyes were like saucers. He said, the pain has gone. He was so blown away and he was, he was bending over like this. He said, the pain's gone. He was so excited. It was, it was almost comical. He was so, oh, he, I mean, he'd gone radiant right there. He was bright. He was beaming. He was so excited. And you know, it's not kind of hard then to say, by the way, God loves you. Yeah. All right, I believe that. Because <laughs> you know what? He just experienced it. Sometimes, in fact, all the time, our words it can't just be words. They've got to come with power. See, when you're connecting with someone and telling them about your faith, be speaking to them, but in your heart be saying, God, now you show them too. You show them too. So when those words go out your mouth and into their ears, the Holy Spirit comes and, wow. There's a conviction to the words. There's a power behind the words. There's a miracle-working power that is at work in this soul situation. In Acts chapter 1, in verses 4 to 5, Jesus promises us power as believers. He said, But wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, Jesus said, You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit has come to help us to be witnesses. Not just to like we're doing it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit's come to empower your words. So when you're speaking, it's coming with strength. So I want to encourage you in your sharing, in your writing, in your communicating, in your emails, in your hanging out with people, shine like a light. And don't just do it in your own strength. Let the power of the Holy Spirit be very much resonant in your life. And I want to say to you, this experience that the Bible has made reference to here, baptism with the Holy Spirit, it isn't the same as being converted to Christianity. It isn't the same as giving your life to Jesus. It's a separate happening. Don't take my word for it. Go and look for yourself in the book of Acts when people experience what we're just read about here. Read through the book of Acts. You'll find there are five instances where it happened to people. Only in one of them did it happen on the point of conversion. Usually a second incidents. Usually it's a second experience. So I want to urge you, if you've never experienced this baptism with the Holy Spirit, then you've got to get it. This is an empowering for you, not just to live a natural life, but a supernatural life. A life where your words come with power. Where when you pray for the sick, you're expecting an answer, not just hoping for the best. There's a power at work in your life. God wants us to live in this power of the Holy Spirit. A famous American revivalist from a generation past, Charles Finney, Anyone heard of Charles Finney? Powerful guy. Here's a few excerpts from Charles Finney's life. This is the day after he got this experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, okay? On that morning, he went into the office 
and the waves of power continually flooded his soul. When Squire Wright came into his office, Squire, isn't that cool? Squire Wright came into his office. Finney said a few words to him about the salvation of his soul. And he made no reply, but he dropped his head and went away. Finney says, I thought no more about it then, but afterwards I found that the remark I had made pierced him like a sword. And he did not recover until he was converted. I love the old language, eh? He did not recover until he was converted. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Almost every person, Spinney, Spinney? Finney. (laughs) Almost every person that Spinney spoke to, let's call him Spinney, it's funnier. It's sunnier. So every person that Finney spoke to that day was stricken with the conviction of sins and afterwards found peace only with God. Finney seemed to so anointed that the Holy, with the Holy Spirit that people were often brought into conviction of sin just by looking at the guy. When he was holding meetings in New York, he visited a large factory there and was looking at the machinery. At the sight of him, one of the operators, and then another, and then another, broke down weeping with a sense of their sins. And finally, many were sobbing and weeping, and uh, the machinery had to be stopped, and Charles Finney brought them to Christ, brought them to faith in Jesus. You know, just, there was something about the guy, just totally yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's no difference between that and you. You know that you can live and move and breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just a natural existence, but a life that's empowered by God to really make a difference. A supernatural life, absolutely, but not in a weird, flaky way, in a credible, awesome, strong, God-glorifying way, not in a, a hype way, not in a kind of whip it up way, but in a just real way, right where you are, in your workplace, with your family, in your community, in this church, in your cell groups. Just God wants to use us. Cameron and Ball, the comedians, they're going to be with us uh, in September. Is that right, September one? Yeah? They're going to be with us. They're going to do an event with us as a church. Cameron and Ball, really funny guys. But they, they've, their lives have been changed by God. And the first time I heard them speak, they were uh, doing the panto, Babes in the Woods, uh, in Glasgow. And, and they came to the Glasgow church while I was still through there. And they, they kind of... They brought all the cast of the play with them to, to that event, to the Sunday service, and they shared their testimony of how God had changed their lives. Anyway, the following week, one of the actors came back again. He was, I think he was playing Sheriff of Nottingham in the particular play. But he came back again, and he brought his daughter with him, and his daughter was only in her tw- early 20s, and she was riddled with cancer. Cancer was right through her body, and she had a wig on, and the doctors had absolutely given her no hope whatsoever of recovery. They said that, that she's in the final stages she's not going to see the year out so he brought his daughter along having given up all other hope and he brought her to the church the, the week after he'd been with Karen and Ball and he said right please could you pray with my daughter at the end of the service Andy Owen and a couple of others laid hands and prayed for the girl anyway a few weeks later a letter came in from the dad saying that she has been given the all clear there has been a miraculous change she's totally healed the cancer has gone. Isn't that awesome? See, we're, we serve a miracle working God. As a result of that, uh, one of the other actors in that same play now goes to the Glasgow church. Just as a result of seeing the miracle, because it wasn't just words, it wasn't just a philosophy, it wasn't just another option or a lifestyle, it was, this is real. And uh, we serve a God with whom nothing is impossible. Many people say, well, but Peter, what about those who aren't healed? And you know what? I struggle with that just as much as you do. But it ain't going to stop me praying for those to be healed. 
And you see when you see Jesus going to pray with the, the, the guy at the pool of Bethsaida, and it says the guy who was crippled and he helped him walk, remember that? Totally healed. It didn't say he healed anyone else at the pool, right? He just healed that guy. The Bible doesn't focus on like, ah, but Jesus didn't heal this person, this person. It didn't say that. It just said, praise God, the guy walks, right? Amazing. So in our humanity, we kind of focus in on, ah, but what about, ah, forget that. Praise God, an actor's daughter was healed. Now you expect it for you. You've got every reason to. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And he wants to do miracles through you and in you. This is the power of the Holy Spirit we should be living in and moving in. And I don't encourage you, at the end of the service, when we close and teas and coffees are being served, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, we can't do that, but he can, and he's here now. And if you're a believer and you've never had this experience, you know, can I ask some of the leaders, cell leaders, to come forward and be available? And then if you want prayer, come forward. There'll be some cell leaders to pray for you and ask God to fill you with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit's already in your life, but this baptism of the Holy Spirit's a separate deal. It's powerful. It's great. The fifth and final point I want to make is how to shine, how to display this light for all to see for his honor. It's fifthly, let your genuine faith shine through your lifestyle. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If you were in a court case and you were a witness in a court case, if the accusing lawyer got you in front of him and he was able to somehow put a slur in your character, maybe he would talk about your own criminal past or maybe he talks about how you haven't been trustworthy or consistent in other areas in life and he would somehow put a slur in your character. Do you know what? Your witness would no longer have validity. In the minds of the jury, you would be discredited. But you know, if your life does not line up with what you're saying then what you're saying doesn't carry credibility in anyone's mind. If your life does not line up with the truths you're professing, then your truths carry no weight and have no power. So let's live authentic lives. Let's let our good deeds shine and glorify God. You see, why do we do good deeds? We don't do it to earn God's favor. We're accepted. Why do we do it? We do it because we love people. We love people. Jesus healed people, not because they were going to follow him, because many of them didn't follow him. He just healed them because... He loved people. And we've got to be the same. We've got to be willing just to get involved with people's lives and serve people and love people and demonstrate authentic love to people just simply because they're people made in the image of God who God in heaven loves absolute bits. So we should too. And that kind of life, that's going to stand out from the crowds. Mother Teresa, she wasn't very popular all the time. She made some pretty controversial statements. And sometimes when she stood up in front of a crowd of people, she would say all this stuff, and some people would be, I, don't, I disagree with that. But at the end of it, you know what? She'd get a standing ovation. Why would she get a standing ovation? Because even though they didn't necessarily agree with everything she said, they knew that she has earned the right to say it. <laughs> Her life stood for something. Her life shone. And you know, if when, you, when your life is living this gospel, not just talking about it, but living the gospel, your words carry power in people's minds. That's credibility. That's credibility. D.L. Moody said that out of a hundred men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. So folks, we've got dreams. We've got goals here as a church. Our dream by the end of this year, you know, typically on a Sunday we're seeing about 350 
individuals, you know, that's counting everyone once. If you come to two services, we're only going to count you once. That's 350 people through the day, through our three services. Thank God. Three years ago, we were 60 people. So we're really grateful to God. But we've just got beginning. By the end of the year, we're dreaming that we'll be 500 by the end of the year. That's possible. You know how it's possible? Each one of you shine in your community, among your friends, in your workplace. Shine. Just let people see there's a God who can be trusted. Not in some prideful or arrogant or kind of argument winning way. That's not what it's about. That's not going to win anyone. Not in a flaky, super spiritual way. That's not what we're talking about either. But just try and be like Jesus. Take a genuine interest in others. If they're open, talk to them about the stuff you believe. Don't force anything down anyone's throat. Pray for the sick. Believe God for incredible miracles, even in the most unreligious environments. And let's see God do some great things in this Western materialistic culture. Through ordinary people like us who just decide, you know what, we're just going to shine for Jesus. We're just going to let our faith not be hidden away somewhere, but we're just going to say this is what we believe in. These are the convictions we have. And people will be attracted to that. So invite your friends, bring them to church. A couple of weeks' time, we've got, in two Sundays' time, we've got the healing service. Uh, Ivan's going to come through again. So not tonight, but next Sunday night, healing meeting. There's a leaflet on your seats, and there's tons more leaflets. We've got thousands of leaflets out there. We put the advert on the front page of the Herald and Post. Anyone see that? Okay. Anyone read the Herald? Everyone in Edinburgh gets the Herald and Post, right? No? We've just wasted a lot of money. <laughs> Well, we get the Herald and Post, and everyone in Edinburgh should get the Herald and Post. People who are in the know get the Herald and Post, all right? <laughs> and on the front page of Herald, we've advertised this healing meeting. Why? Because we just want, we want to let people come see Jesus and experience his power in their lives. Invite your friends. Take as many leaflets as you want. There's going to be a steward at the door as you're going out. If, if, in fact, one, could you just make sure there is a steward at the door <laughs> when you go out? There'll be leaflets there available. And, you know, if you want, you can take a couple of hundred leaflets away with you, or you can take a thousand leaflets if you want. Just get them out, hand them out in the street, go up in Princess Street, in your community. Or you want to take two or three, give them to your friends at work or your family. If you know someone who's sick, bring them along. Just let's make the most of every opportunity. And as we work together, don't just think, ah, oh, the church is big, it's got its own momentum, it's growing. The only reason we're big and growing is because people just like you decided we're going to reach people. So at every stage in our development, everyone's got to keep deciding that. So let's decide again. Today, we're going to do our best to shine for Jesus and let our world know about him. We're dreaming in a few years' time of having build, actually, a 1,000-seat auditorium, at least 1,200-seat maybe, and then fill it multiple times on a Sunday with services so thousands can gather. We have no apologies. We're dreaming of a big church, not for any egotistical reasons, purely because he deserves a big church. And there should be great, lots of big churches in this city. There should be. Vast swathes of our population should be attending church and worshiping God. It would change things dramatically. The drug scene would go down. Marriages would be tons better. And people who've been hurt in the past could be repaired. You know, I even believe the NHS wouldn't have had a big, such a big job. I really believe that. Health would improve. There'd be a totally better attitude in society. Finance would go up. People would prosper. I'm, I believe it. It has a dramatic effect on society, let alone the spiritual stuff that goes on. Going to heaven and all that. So I believe in a, a church that should be thousands. So that's what we're here for. No apologies. We're here for the long term to see impact in the city. So let's dream together. Let's do this. Shine for Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Maybe today you don't love him. Maybe you've never... Well, you like him, but he's all right, you know. But you've never said, 
I'm going to give him my all. It's like you fancy the lassie, but you're at the altar and you've got no moment to say, I do, right? That's what we're talking about here. It's, it's, it's gone beyond just, yeah, they're all right too. You know what? I'm actually going to love you that much. I'm going to commit myself to you. I'm going to love you that much. I'm going to give my life to you. And just in a moment, we're going to pray. And maybe you're here today. And maybe today you need to make that decision. You might not be ready to make that decision. And that's okay. Keep coming. Think about it. Consider it. You know, we're a church not just for religious people. We're a church for people who, can, who have no beliefs whatsoever. Come, listen, think. It's great. But today, maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'm at that point. I want to say yes to Jesus because I do believe in him. And I want to allow my life to reflect him. And I want to live a life that will bring him honor. And you know what? I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I believe he died for me and rose again. If that's you, then in a moment we're going to pray. And please take that moment in prayer. I'll lead you in a prayer where you can commit yourself to Jesus. All right? Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, so much that you are light and you there is no darkness at all. Lord Jesus, you shine. You are glorious. And Lord, we realize that when our lives reflect you, that there's something attractive about that to the, to the seeker. God, we pray in Jesus' name that our lives would be lives, God, as a church, that we would shine. I pray that we wouldn't just have the right arguments or have the right answers, but I pray, God, more importantly, we would be people who have a heartfelt relationship with you, and because of our love for you, God, people would just see something different about us. That God, also let us be miraculous people, people who are living and breathing, not just a natural life, but living in the supernatural supply of the Holy Spirit, that empowering, that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Help that to be not just a one-off, but a daily experience in our lives. God, I pray, raise our expectations as a church for great things. We're not here just to be a cool contemporary church. We're here, God, to make a spiritual difference. We're here to be Holy Spirit-empowered believers, to go and make a difference in our generation for the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you're with us to see that happen. As I said earlier, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Peter, I'm not in a place right now where I can say I've committed my life to Jesus. Maybe at one point you had, but somehow weirded down the line, you've fallen away from that. Or maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus. Whatever category you're in, I'm just going to give you an opportunity just now for you to say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to ask his forgiveness for my sins. And I'm going to follow him from here on. If that's you, then I'm, I'm just going to do something very simple. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I am inviting you just now just to repeat this prayer after me. It's a prayer of dedication to the Lord. And I just ask you, repeat it after me, not out loud. I want you to pray it quietly, under your breath. But let it be the deep prayer from your heart. If that's you, pray with me now. Pray, dear Lord God. God, I thank you for Jesus, your son. Jesus, thank you for being willing to die for me on the cross. Thank you for being willing to shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. And right now, I, I leave my own way of life. I choose to turn from my sins. And I'm going to live for you now, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin and wretchedness. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, but also thank you for rising again on the third day. 
right now I give my life to you to serve you to follow you and to walk with you I make you Lord I make you God I make you boss I put you number one in my life thank you God for hearing my prayer thanks God for accepting me today Amen if you prayed that prayer just there you've just done a marvellous thing and I would love the opportunity and the honour of praying for you and asking God's blessing on you as you take this step in life so if that's you today I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to call you to the front I won't get you to stand up just simply where you are if you prayed that prayer and you know you meant it, can you just do me a favor while everyone else's eyes are closed? Just raise your hand briefly and put it down again. Anyone like that? Put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? I'll just wait for a moment. Anyone else like that? Jesus. Anyone else? You prayed that prayer. You really meant it. Just put your hand up. Let me know you did it. I'll pray for you and you can put your hand down again. Anyone like that today? Thank you. Someone else at the back there at the balcony. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these two wonderful, precious, precious individuals. Lord, oh, you love them. I thank you, Jesus. You, you loved them and you gave yourself for them. We appreciate them too, Lord. We give them into your hands. We pray, God, let them know your love your acceptance, your blessing right now. God, thank you as they've asked forgiveness. You have granted it. And I pray they will know this new start beginning on the inside. Jesus, let them shine for you now, Lord. Let them not be cowardice. Let them not be weak in their witness. Let them be confident to tell people about the love of God that they've found, about Jesus, who died for their sins on the cross. Lord, bless them. Fill them with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand to feet. We're just going to end by celebrating, by worshipping God.